The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Coffee. No, good morning, Mike. <laughs> uh, coffee is something we're supposed to have before the show Oops. so that we don't sound like the midday drive on certain, uh, on certain <laughs> radio stations. I see. Well, we, we won't mention those radio stations, but fair enough. So it's getting close. We are almost at the end of the year. World Junior Games are going to start uh, tomorrow. What real uh, hockey? Yay! Real, actual, competitive, high-level hockey. Hockey. Well, I've been watching college hockey, so I mean, I've tried. I just have not. My schedule hasn't lined up for the games as well as it could. Um, I caught a couple. I mean, Boston College derailing Providence Friars was interesting experience, but that was a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I've seen a few games since then, but yeah, it is rather difficult because they start their start times are a little different. I mean, yeah, games starting at like five o'clock in the afternoon and. I don't mind necessarily the five o'clock starts, especially where, you know, like a lot of people right now, I'm working from home. Yeah. Uh, if I started, you know, fairly early in the morning, um, I'm already done working at five o'clock and I can watch the game, uh, run into the kitchen, throw something together for to eat during the first period for supper and uh, then watch the second and third. Yeah. Um, I just kind of wish that college hockey scheduling were more consistent. Um, I mean, yes, most most teams play on Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. But it, sometimes it's a five o'clock game. Sometimes it's seven o'clock game. Sometimes it's <laughs> the, the nine o'clock game. And the channels vary, too. Yes. Which makes it harder to track. Um, Agreed. But yeah, so we got the World Juniors, which is a good thing, because. And we and we'll see actual like NHL players, even though it's World Juniors. You're going to see players like Kirby Doc and uh, absolutely. And, and um, we'll see actually a lot of the prospects that were drafted last year as well. So yes, uh, Quentin Byfield is uh, supposed to be taking the ice. Woohoo! Um, most of the University of Minnesota Duluth or University of North Dakota. Um, Jake Sanderson and Jamie Drysdale and Tyler Clevin and <laughs> I mean it's it, when you stop and think about it there's a, a lot of it, it's going to be very high quality young hockey I mean <clears throat> one of the one of the only bright spots of the shutdown uh, at the moment is that Almost all of the young players available uh, or that the teams would want are available. Um, one or two have been shut down individually because of illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still a fairly small number. Uh, the Sharks, uh, the Sharks games that were scheduled to be played today and yesterday, I believe, um, have been canceled due to uh Due to uh, ex- uh, due to public safety issues, but um, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of young, 
drafted talent on these teams. It's it's pretty they're pretty deep. Uh, and there's I believe it's the Calgary Flames of all teams lead um, or have the most young players uh, at the games or at the World Juniors. Okay. Uh, but where do we want to start? We have uh, we have general health news uh, for the Capitals. We have some fascinating rumors from the comments section. Uh, we have uh, we have some mailbags. We have some Coyotes uh, questions. Well, let's get let's get into some new stuff. We can revi- We're going to revisit the World Juniors, and and I mean it would be a great segue, but. May as well cover some of the new stuff that happened because we haven't had a we haven't had an overabundance of news stories. We've had a lot of pieces to talk about, but so I'm thinking first thing that I thought of when I saw when I started watching during the week uh, was the fact that Alexander Steen retired. Called it a day. Uh, Steen retiring isn't necessarily surprising. Uh, yeah, 15 years is a good long career. Uh, but if you look back at his last, you know, five, six seasons, they, they weren't particularly healthy. No, I understand Um, that. Which is unfortunate because hugely talented player. It was his back issues. It was his back issues that kind of pushed the retirement to the fore. But I mean, this is a guy who spent most of his career with the one team with St. Louis. He was traded to St. Louis back in 2008 for, along with Carlo Koliakovo in exchange for that, that one player that seemed to fit on every team, that guy, Lee Stempniak again. Uh, Who has been around, uh, around the league a couple of times. Yeah. Which would be the ironic part is that Steen found himself a home and Lee Stempniak, who was the, I guess, the key piece in that trade at the time because of his ability to score goals, has never really settled in one place. No. Uh, But, I mean, it's been fun watching Alexander Steen. I mean, back in the day when they had Steen and Bacchus and... um, Jaden Schwartz and uh, T.J. Oshie. T.J. Oshie was there, yes, and and back and when he, people yeah. were still not listening to us about uh, how good Alex Petrangelo is. Yeah, that's the uh, Jay Bomeister was. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, that no, was that a, was before Bomeister. Bomeister didn't get there until probably four years ago, five years ago. I thought it was longer than that. It seemed like it was. Uh, but it, it, the team had a decent amount of talent, uh, and and Steen was more of a goal scorer than He was still a physical presence, but he was more of a goal scorer. Over the last few years, he's kind of become like – he's kind of become like Bacchus, actually. He became more of a physical player, less of an offensive threat, uh, still had the good hands, but he didn't – he didn't seem to scare people offensively. No. I mean, you, you talk about uh, – go if you look back at uh, Steen's career, back in I believe it was the 13-14 season, he hit a career high of 33 goals. And I think he's only hit 20 goals in one season since then. 
Um, that's uh, that being said, Alex, no one ever wants to accept it, but sometimes you need to do what's best for your body. Um, so that you can enjoy the money that you put away, uh, and saved and earned over the years. That being said, the man still did hit that kind of magical mark of 1000 games, which is not, not easy. I mean, the average NHL career is under 400. Um, so to be more than twice that, yeah, there's, you have nothing to complain about in your career, especially when you finish your career with a Stanley cup spent 12 spent 12 the last 12 years of his career with with st louis finished fourth in games played for st louis in their history mm-hmm. uh finished fourth in games played with 765 finished fifth in points with uh 496 and he finished ninth in goals scored in st louis history with 195 I don't know that he's a quote-unquote Hall of Famer. Mm, he, he, might be, he might be St. Louis Hall of Fame, and the, I mean they could certainly have discussions about his numbers going up to the Raptors. But I don't know that he's done enough. I mean, they won the Stanley Cup, but did he even participate? Uh, he played in the regular season. I'm struggling to remember him on the ice during the playoffs. Uh, it says he finished. Oh, it says here he finished. My apologies. It says here he finished the playoffs with two seven, goals and three assists. Yeah. Uh, no, He so he played 26 games. So, yeah, he was there. I mean. So he was there. Okay. Not, so he's got a Stanley Cup on his on his resume. Yep. I just but, don't know that he's not the first person I think no. of when I think Hall of Fame. No, unfortunately, no. I mean, 622 points in 1,018 mm-hmm. games. Um, only uh, only four of his, like, 15 seasons were 20 goals or above. Not going to cut it. He might get his jersey raised in St. Louis. Certainly... Uh, certainly, he spent uh, from o- from o eight through the end of his career there, so over a de- well over a decade. But yeah, twelve years, yeah. I, I I just can't see him making uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame. I mean, sure, if he does, it's going to be because of his um, uh, his World Junior um, contributions in o three and o four. But even there, I think that's a hard – I think that's a, sort of hard to push because off the top of my head, I don't remember even if uh, Sweden won those two. Yeah. I don't remember either. That would be something I would have to dig deep to find. 1,018 regular season game. I mean, he's still got – if by some chance they – he wants to come back. He feels better, whatever. He still has one year remaining on his deal. I don't know how it works. I think they hold on to his rights if he ever chooses to come back. Most likely, uh, St. Louis uh, probably would hold on to it, even without, um, even with the potential shrink of the cap. Um, well, they would they would have to do something about his number. I mean, he's at five and three quarter million. 
I would think that they'd want to lower that number. Uh, not much they can do. I mean, if they let it expire, it's going to be cheaper to resign him. And I think that that's what most teams would probably do. I guess it comes down to comes down to his relationship with them. I if he's retiring now with a back issue, yeah, don't I'm see it. I don't, don't see, see it happening. Back. Yeah, I don't see it either. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just, I mean, they're talking about wanting, uh, it's mentioned here, Jay, they want to offer Jay Bowmeister a scouting position with the team. Uh, it also says that you can't understand if they, who wouldn't want to keep Steen and his mentorship as an active part of the franchise. Uh, you know, does he want to step away from hockey for a little bit and just spend time with his fam? Yeah, it, it, there's other questions, and we we certainly wish him well and much success in whatever he does choose to do next. Uh, but oh, absolutely! Uh, if I were having back issues like that, yeah, I would spend a year, a year and a half, just letting my back recover and trying to find ways to compensate for it before dece- before committing to anything else. I mean, I don't have. I'm not. I'm lucky enough that I don't have back issues, but. It affects everything you attempt to do, <laughs> whether it's standing up, sitting down. I, I can't imagine attempting to skate, even just as an on-ice coach, uh, like a de- in a development role uh, every day. Um, and I think that he's probably best taking that 12 to 18 months and then deciding what to do. Uh, but as far as the World Juniors, no. Um O three was Russia, their second in a row, and O four was the U.S. Ah, very good. Uh, both times, uh, Canada coming in second. <laughs> they must not have liked those couple of years. <laughs> uh, yeah, they consoled themselves by winning O uh, five to O nine uh, each year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, we've got other medical issues too. Uh, yes. Being retired because of one. This one's a little bit more serious, I think. Potentially serious. Um, Henrik Lundqvist is out for the year with a heart condition. Um, I can't find any. Spe- I, I don't think he's released any. I can't find any specifics on what the heart condition is. There are but things that not- can crop up that are actually fairly minor. Um, this isn't like when Bo Meester or Peverly collapsed on the bench. Um, it says not life-threatening in the articles I've read. Correct. I mean, but for it's that still matter. Ha- it's still heart, though. Isn't isn't anything related to the heart potentially life-threatening? I mean, if your heart stops. Um, but it, there's, there's things that are way less than heart-stopping. Um, didn't Charlie McAvoy uh, miss some time uh, just a couple or in his first or second year because of heart issue? Yes, he did. So it's not something people can't recover from uh, or some of the issues are not something that people can't recover from. Um, but I it comes the, down to, you know, go ahead. It comes down to age and general health That's where I was going to go. Um, Lundquist definitely wants to play another year. And if he's going to take a year off to fix or treat the issue, this is the year. Even at his age, this is the year. 
Because I, I mean, yeah, I could see. It. I mean, uh, Ryan Miller is over forty and playing still. Yep. As I mean, it, well, he was he played last season. I, I don't know that Correct. he's signed anywhere this year. But it's not that he can't do it. I think the big question everybody has is heart condition combined with age, combined with all the miles on him, because he was a fairly uh, beaten and abused goaltender for some years. Uh, Cam Ward-like. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, he probably had a better defense most years than Cam Ward, but he also still ended up playing more games each year than Cam Ward. So it, ah. that's the question that seems to prop up in all the articles that I've read about this. Uh, Generally speaking, I think that if the if the heart condition, whatever it is, doesn't prevent him from working out at like a moderate level for most of the year, I would say he will at least turn up at next year's training camp. He's he wants to keep playing. He really wants to keep playing. And we saw some solid flashes during the most recent season on a pretty lackluster Rangers team. Well, I mean, when he when he signed there, it, it was the comments that he was making uh, seemed to have it sprinkled in and. and things that I had read was that he wasn't going there just to be Samsonov's backup. He was going there to compete for the number one job. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 and I wouldn't expect anything less from this guy. That's all he's done his whole career. I mean, no sitting, sitting on the bench, 70% of the games last season must've been uh, a a small form of hell for him. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, he's not one of those guys who is okay just showing up and helping the team. He wants to be instrumental. Yes. He, he, he's not, I don't think that the role of, of cheerleader suits him very well. Cheerleader, he, mascot. He can, he can be, but that that's not anywhere near what he wants to be. And most play, and and ninety nine point five nine percent of the players are like that. They, they, you know, none of them want to sit on the bench. They all want to play. But this guy, I mean, if you've watched him at all in the past, but nineteen years, yeah, it, it's obvious that uh, this guy more than most, it has to be. He has to be on that ice. That that's his home. Oh, I in no way disagree. He's he's one of those guys who, you know, in days of the in days of in the far history of the world would have been one of those guys who, you know, died, uh, died with his carrying his shield or wanted to uh, write or die with his boots on. He doesn't want his career to end. He wants a cup. He wants to play more games. He wants to chase down more records. Um, I, it's who I he think is. the cup. I think the cup is the one thing that that cements him as a Hall of Famer because that's the one thing that's eluded him really. I I think that he probably gets in without a cup. I think that Joe Thornton probably gets in without a cup. And Other players for longevity or I, I, whatever else you can say about Lundqvist. 
Um, it's really, really hard to blame uh, any of their playoff losses on him. Okay. Uh, he and he had he has modestly ridiculous or or at least very very high end numbers uh, throughout his career in the regular season, both total games played, um, minutes played, 918 save percentage is nothing to sneeze at. Um, he's got, uh, or that's his, yeah, that's his regular season. Uh, and 887 NHL games played. That's, <laughs> that's nearly obscene. So, care to guess where this guy was drafted? Oh, I remember that. He was seventh round. 205th overall in 2000. 205th overall. Um, Oops. So, <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist is also, at this point, eighth on the all-time list of games played. Uh, just a couple of games behind Glenn Hall. Um, he's got Lundquist is at 887. Glenn Hall is at 908. Um, and Curtis Joseph is up at 943. So in net for a full season, uh, for a full regular season, he catches those two, or he can, he certainly catches Glenn Hall. Um, if yeah. he manages to play 50, 52 games, he'll catch Cujo. He would need another season to to catch Belfour and uh, Sawchuck, and I don't think he'd do his legacy any good uh, without serious, without, or if his, I don't think he'd do his legacy any good chasing, um, chasing Rua Luongo, and there's no way he's catching Brodeur at, at this age. Yeah, um, I don't, I, Brodeur is Brodeur. Probably hurt his legacy going as long as he did. His last couple of years in the league were not good. Um, but Patrick Roy is at a uh, thousand and twenty nine games, and that's that's a lot of games. Right now, right now, no one ahead of uh, Henrik Lundqvist has a better save percentage. Uh, uh, on the old times game played. Okay. So the highest, yeah, I get, Oh no, I'm sorry. Luongo does. Luongo is at nine nineteen. He also doesn't have a cup. Yeah. Well, the Bruins saw to that. Oh. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to put either one of them into the, into the hall of fame, Lundquist or Luongo, mm-hmm. you probably have to put both. Yeah. I mean, Lundqvist is 459 win, sixth winningest goalie in NHL history. I mean, it, he's he's that close to top five. Yeah, I can see him going in. I just think that getting that cup would cement it. Oh, if he gets a cup um, in a season where he plays at least, you know, even if he only plays six or seven of the playoff games and plays 30, 35 at minimum of the regular season games, he's, he's a shoo in I still think that both him and Luongo make it right now. 
I don't have an argument with that. I mean, as much as it was fun to watch Roberto Luongo take his lumps during the 2011 Stanley Cup, I don't harbor and any ill will against the guy. And the whole tire pumping issue. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was... That was it, legitimately <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I'm not here to pump up his tires. I'm not here to Uh, I love this quote, just to tie a bow on this. It's from the release from the team. We have no doubt that Henrik Lundqvist will face this challenge with the same fierce determination and grace that made him one of the greatest goaltenders to ever play the game of hockey and an inspiration to all of us. He and his family are in our thoughts during this difficult time. He will always be part of the New York Rangers family. I mean, this is... They're right. Fierce determination. And that's what we've been saying this whole time is just this guy's drive to succeed. And, and there are times where he dragged Rangers kicking and screaming into wins because even though the defense wasn't strong, he wasn't going to let them lose. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, he and that's why I don't have any issue with him getting into the Hall of Fame. No. I would be completely, I would have to completely agree with that. I don't have any issues with either. I mean, and I'm not saying, and we're not saying this like his career is over. I mean, he is on a one-year deal, so does this, does him op, Does him backing out eat up that one year? Does he have to re-sign again, or, or does it carry over? I'm not I sure how that works. I think for medical complication, it's, it's probably going to, uh, the contract will just carry uh, over. Be, carry over. Um, because he's not even going to start the season. No, he's, um, he's not playing at all. Um, it does leave Washington in a little bit of a bind in net because now they've got to turn to uh, that career backup, Phoenix Copley, who or, seems to play good in short term. Or it might reopen the doors to Mark Andre Fleury moving. Uh, one, it. it does open it? I don't know that the Knights are all that. I, I guess they would be interested in moving him for the money reasons. M- money reasons? Um, yes. I mean, uh, I mean, they have under a million in cap space at this point. Does Marc Andre uh, Fleury want to? He's another one. Does he want to move into a role where he's mentoring Ilya Samsonov and he's not going to be playing many games? I mean, he's not going to be the starter based on Flurry. Flurry has this and next season at seven million left. Right. You're not putting a seven million dollar multi cup winning goaltender uh, in the backup role unless they suck. But that's the issue is Peter DeBoer, uh, based on what we saw in this summer's uh, exhibition of, of playoff games. Peter DeBoer clearly favors Robin Leonard to Marc-Andre Fleury. But for whatever that's Peter reason. DeBoer, and he's not the coach in Washington. No, but he's the coach in in Las Vegas, and that's why I don't think he's going to start. But you're talking – okay, Washington signed Henrik Lundqvist. They got him for $1.5 million. Now that they do go after Fleury, that's an additional $5.5 million and an additional year on salary. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they're in a position to pick that up. 
Uh, let's see. Capitals. The Capitals are not in the worst shape in the league in in terms of cap space. Um, they have over a million in cap space, which uh, is practically a luxury. Okay. Um, so if you get L- if you get long term, although that's with that's with only eleven forwards, but uh, eight defensemen signed, um, and showing on the NHL roster according to Cap Friendly's uh, organization. But um, the point is, if you get if you, even if you get long term long term IR relief for Lundqvist. Yep. That still doesn't bring you to the seven million that you need to get Marc Andre Fleury. That's you'd true. Have to, you'd have to be sending back somebody of substance. Yes. You which, can't send. You can't be sending back. You know the 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 water boy. How about the towel boy? No, I don't think either one of them or combined get the deal done. It's got to be somebody of substance so that you can move that money and make the deal work and and. Washington. I don't think that particular deal actually is going would work anyways. Um, everyone that everyone that Washington could trade of a substantial cap hit is five to five or more years younger uh, than than Marc Andre Fleury uh, with with at least as much term like Tom Wilson. Yeah, Tom Wilson is only twenty six. He's got four years left at a healthy less than 5.2 million for all of the for all of the the verbal the grief that I give Tom Wilson for his method of play the man's got skill oh yeah and, and I don't think that Washington's ready to part with him <laughs> no the same with Dmitry Orlov I mean he's 29 years old so he's six seven years younger do they, um, wait a minute, do, do they really want to give Vegas yet another defenseman that, that actually has some skill? They've now got Petrangelo, Theodore, Nate. Uh, no, they traded Nate Schmidt. I mean, it, it would the, be silly. Yeah, I, 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 I don't see it happening. You're right. So they're really going to have to rely on Vitek Pachanik. Although Ryan Miller is still unsigned if they wanted to have a veteran in and no. – and Miller was willing to move off the West Coast, which I don't know that he is. Um, that's that's a possibility. And it would be more. It would be. It would certainly be more reasonable, more, more likely, because he's he's going to be playing in in a similar role to what he's done for Gibson out in Anaheim. Correct. Uh, Craig Anderson remains another possibility, assuming. He hasn't hung them up permanently. I don't think he's hung them he's up permanently. He's 39 years old, too. I don't think he's hung them up permanently, but it, it all depends on what's going on with his wife. Is it his wife? I mean, is it his wife or his mother? I thought it was his wife. Uh, his wife had leave? had a couple of health issues. Because um, yeah. he took some time off to be with her back a season or two ago. Yes. Um, as far as I know, those issues resolve themselves. Okay. Um, but yeah, okay. So that, that I mean, there are options. Around. There are options out there for the Capitals aside from what they have in house. Our our thoughts and prayers go out to. Henrik Lundqvist and his family wishing him a full and speedy recovery. 
because uh, I don't think that this is the way he wants to end it. So it would be nice to see him back on the ice, still diving around, making saves all over the place with every part of his body. So and looking dapper, uh, running and looking dapper, doing it, Mister GQ there, yeah, with that fully quaffed hair. <laughs> Uh, we got we finally got resolution on uh, one of our favorite players. Yes, and you are a big fan of it because it's all you could talk about before uh, before we clicked record. Um, yeah, I'm I'm such a fan of this. I, I don't know what's going on. I, whoa, 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 Chris. Yeah. Tone down the enthusiasm. A lot of the people who listen to the show have to work. And, you know, we don't want them getting, you know, too jazzed up. People will think they're on something. I'm having difficulty just being happy for Anthony. I, I, the, How could you ever fail to be happy, happy for Anthony Declare? Because the most happy, the, the happiest that I would be for Anthony Declare is if he had a spoke bee on his chest. But <laughs> I, I think that that's something that we've discussed for most of a decade at this point. Um <laughs> And I don't disagree, but given who our current general manager is, I don't see him arriving in Boston. Not unless it comes as part of a major immediate roster overhaul. And I don't see Mr. Sweeney uh, engaging in that. There is a way to rectify that, you know. Have me take over the general manager's spot? Yes, I I, I agree. Oh, okay. I wasn't thinking specifically you, but I was, yes, the the general thought is to replace the general manager. <laughs> and and I promise to give you a scoop on at least one story every three hundred and seventy-five days. I'm going to be the president right next to you when they get rid of Neely. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I'm a one-man show. If you if you say president so. and general manager. Anyway, what we're trying to say is Anthony Duclair has finally signed. I mean, I don't know. Market value. Yeah, but that's I did. Yeah. And it, it would seem based on what I'm reading that a lot of people are saying that him representing himself, not having an agent. Act, hurt Might have him. gotten in the way. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what happened in Ottawa. Reportedly, they offered him some sort of deal that was an average annual value of $3 million per. Mm-hmm. And he turned it down during the renegotiation, during the contract ex- uh, contract extension talks. I don't know. Maybe he didn't like it. I, I mean, he, he was playing with a bunch of other younger guys as far as, you know, Brady Kachuk and mm-hmm. Colin White and... and Thomas Shabbat. And I mean, it's a good core of young guys that they had up there. I thought it was a good fit. He had himself a career year. And they're talking going down to Florida if he can somehow score 30 goals in Florida. In a 56 game season. Yes, in a 56 game season, he would have to be on the top line because after the top line, their offensive prowess. Plummets. Evaporates. Yeah, evaporates is a good word for it. Yeah, yeah. I just I I don't know that this was the greatest move for him. I understand that he wants to prove himself, and that's why you take it because it's only a one year deal, one point seven million this year. 
and for 56 games, 1.7 million. Mm, it's pretty good. Um, but he's hoping to turn that into a longer term, higher average annual value contract. I don't know that Florida is the right place for that, though. Wouldn't he have been better off staying in Ottawa, playing with that young core of guys? And Probably, then, yes. And then searching out that high-end three or four million dollars per contract somewhere else. We don't know when that contract was offered. We don't. We also. Well, yes, we do. I'm sorry. It was offered just before or just towards the end of the season, and then it was taken back off the table. Apparently, um, so part of this it, it, part of this is not all him. It's general Ottawa dysfunction. Um, <laughs> And don't, yeah. and this this does set Ottawa back a little bit. It's not losing Kachuk or Shabbat, but it's pretty close. Um, I think that both parties lost in this deal. The Florida Panthers win because they're getting a versatile young winger um, who can't who now that he has remembered that you need to shoot the puck more than once a game. Um, is actually capable of producing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that as part of a market, if you look at where Duclair has done his best, it's in the second tier markets. He's doesn't appear to be a New York, Boston, Montreal type of guy. Um, I don't know. I think on the, I think with the, the caliber of talent on the Bruins, I think that they would be able to bring him along though. Maybe, but maybe he just really can't stand the media, which would be hard to blame him for, um, and doesn't really want to have to deal with that sort of media pressure, and when he takes the skates off, just wants to go be a 25, 26-year-old and enjoy his life without having to worry about every conversation he has ending up on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. I mean, his his prospects for being on the top line certainly improve if Hoffman is is moved or signs or whatever happens to him. But I mean, he, he's at, they're absolutely right because you got Huberto, Barkov. Uh, yeah, I know. That's that's really that's the point where it begins to. Hornquist um, is is Hornquist, is Patrick Hornquist from. Pittsburgh, a top line guy. He's a lot old at this point for hockey. He's thirty three, but he's played a he's played a physical game most of his career. So yeah, I can agree with that. I don't know that he's a top line guy. Uh, of course, you always have to worry about beating out Brett Connolly. Brett Connolly is the best player in the league. Just just ask. <laughs> I mean. And then there's Frank Petrano. Hey, old friend Nola Chari is down there too. And Nola, what is, what is this like? I used to think Tampa Bay was Bruins South, but maybe it's the Panthers. Oh, it, it, <laughs> at this point, it's the Panthers. Uh, the the Florida Panther or the the Tampa Bay Lightning are Rangers South. Ah, okay. Although Strawman has now Strawman now being with Florida Panthers has has partaken in both teams in Florida. 
of course, spending most of his career there in, in Tampa Bay. I just I don't see this being a good stepping stone for him. That's why I'm not excited about it. I love the player. We've talked about him for, like you said, the better part of a decade. The talent is clearly there. The man scored 14 goals in a 17-game stretch during last season when he scored his 23. Clearly, there's talent. Yes, he didn't shoot enough, and we used to scream at the TV sets when he was playing in Arizona that that's what he needed to do because he was only averaging like 1.3 shots per game or something crazy like that. I just I don't know that Florida is the right place for him to to showcase his wares. I don't think that they're going to do enough for him. He's going to do for them. I don't know that they can reciprocate. And that's why I'm not excited about it. I'm happy that he'll be playing. That's for sure. I'll be able to watch him at least when the Bruins play Florida. There is that. Um, let's see what else. There's speaking of, well, speaking of playing, we kind of, we kind of buried the lead here that they might actually be playing. We may, we may have a, there is a potentially a deal in place here between the players and the, between the NHL and the players association. For a 56-game season. And that would be with non-playoff teams from last year uh, reporting to camp for the 30th. And the playoff teams uh, would get until, what is it, the 3rd of January? The 3rd of January for teams that played in the, um, as you like to call them, pretend-offs. Uh, There are other key dates that are involved in this deal, as you said, the 30th and the 3rd. January 13th is the proposed start of the season. Correct. uh, With a 56-game regular season. The players do have the opportunity to opt out like they did for the summertime fun. Yep. Uh, Non-playoff teams, so those guys that start on the 30th. The players have to opt out by the 24th, and for the other teams, they have until the 27th. Correct. Uh, it, gives, it also gives the teams an option to, uh, as they call it, toll or carry over the player's contract if they do. Uh, group 2 restricted free agents have to sign by February 11th in order to play this year, or they don't. And teams can extend players on one-year deals uh, on, starting on March 12th. Uh, for those uh, keeping track at home, uh, January 13th would be a Saturday. Uh, hopefully they would have lined up a nice day of hockey uh, for all of us uh, with three, four games uh, that you could actually watch all of um, instead of having to flick back and forth between two or three games uh, at once after like seven o'clock. It would be nice. I mean, I may have to take that day off if they are going to have like four games in a row. But... It's a Saturday. Yeah. Oh, it's a Saturday. I don't have to take it off. Excellent. I'll still take it off, even if. <laughs> so you'll double take it off? Sure. Why not? Uh, the person who wrote the article for Russian Machine Never Breaks, Ian Oland, tweeted out, and I wasn't aware of this. Um, apparently 
should they start in should they actually get this thing going in the year 2021 they'll play hockey 11 out of the 12 months of the calendar year there is nothing wrong with that that's what i was thinking you got january february march april may june playoffs possibly july playoffs and then september preseason for the 21-22 season obviously into october november december that's 11 oh. months of possible hockey if 21-22 starts in the first week of october 11 11 months of hockey would be a dream come true <laughs> What are you going like, to do for August, though? <laughs> uh, you and I, we're going to end up looking at all of the moves and ranking the divisions and teams because uh, well, we is, won't yeah. have much time. No, not really. You have to kind of jump right back into it, depending on when the I mean, it would actually yeah. be two months of uh, September preseason. But if they're playing hockey in July, it's not going to be as bad as it was this past season. Because it'll be just ending, and certainly it's compressed. Uh, the other date that they're looking at is July 28th, would be the beginning of the free agent frenzy. So obviously the the expansion draft and the NHL draft would come a week or two before that. So and that's the other thing we got to look forward to is welcoming Seattle into the fold. Absolutely, and I think that I mean we probably wouldn't even get around to doing another redraft, even though we've been saying for like, since we did the 2003 redraft that we wanted to do a couple more years. Uh, what was it? The I thought 12, thir- I thought 13, it was, I thought 13 was one year we were going to do. I think it was 12, 13, um, was nine. The other one, I, I, I would have to go. I'd have to go back. I and have look. to go look in there. I'm just excited that we actually have dates and potential starts and world juniors tomorrow. We got world juniors tomorrow. We have world juniors to look forward to. That's where this gets a little dicey because there are players like Kirby doc over there. There are um, players on these, on, on these teams that have prospects over there that, they would be welcoming into camp that aren't necessarily going back to school or whatever. Uh, there are teams that have players on loan playing in Europe that they're going to have to call back. So it it gets a little eh, with you know what, what? The players are doing, but I don't care about that part. I just want hockey. <laughs> well, yes, I just want hockey as well, but. We still have to do things the right way and get them back. And I'm how much does pretty it? certain that in all of the contracts those players signed with their loan teams, hence the term loan, uh, that the NHL restart automatically sends them back at the request of the NHL team, or maybe even just automatically. Uh, okay, but how does how does a uh, Kirby Doc leaving the Canadian national team affect the World Juniors chances. Granted, they have. I'm sure that the rest of their squad is loaded. Uh, let's take a look at the squads, um, or at least the teams that have uh, players you know out there. 
You like that uh, segue I made, huh? Into the World Juniors. <laughs> and I was off by uh, a t- I was thinking of the wrong team. It's not actually the Flames that have the most players at the World Juniors. It is the Los Angeles Kings. Um, they have, yikes, like over about 10 picks. Jordan Spence, defenseman. Uh, Quentin Byfield, forward. Lucas Parikh, uh, a goaltender. Casper Simon Table, a forward. Uh, Kim Noiseman, a defenseman. Martin uh, Kromiak. Uh, the, the Kingston of the Kingston of the OHL, a forward, Tobias Bjornfot, a defenseman, Brock Faber, a defenseman, Arthur Kaley of the forward, and Alex Turcott, a forward. So they're really getting all <laughs> they're getting work at all positions there. And for let's see, Sweden, US, Slovakia, Finland, Czech Republic, and Canada. You know what that tells me? Their their future is brighter than their present. That's what it tells me. Yep. <laughs> um, exactly and the scary right. thing is, is that all of these picks are from either the 19 or the 20 draft. All of them. Uh, only one of them. Uh, the lowest of these picks is uh, Martin Chorniak, uh, a fifth round pick. They have three firsts, a couple of seconds, a couple of thirds, and a couple of fours. That's... <laughs> I mean, 10 players is almost a full roster. When you're talking about Quinton Byfield and uh, Tobias Bjornfot and Alex Kaliev, who really could have been and probably should have been a first-round pick uh, two years ago, plus <laughs> seven other players, that's huge. And yeah. quite frankly, slightly frightening. Because uh, if they have... A what what shall we call it the uh, a Toronto youth year like uh, when Matthews and Marner and what was it five other rookies all broke loose all at once if they have that in one season if they can get that many of those guys onto their roster in the same year they're really going to have a it, two good years of cap space to do whatever they want to bolster the team um, and a surplus of talent. If they, if, if that many players can be found to pan out. So the Red Wings are second on that list. They have seven players in the world juniors. And if uh. you look at the current roster of the Kings after yeah. this year, they have four forwards who are going to be uh, who are unsigned after this year. Uh, UFA Alex Iafalo, um, Blake Lazat, who is in one of the otter statuses. He's not quite played enough games for, for Group Two RFA status. Um, okay. And then uh, Trevor Moore, who is a uh, 25 reasonable player. Michael Amadio, literally never heard the man's name. Oh, Mike, Michael Amadio, yeah, no, I've heard. He's played. He played some. He played some games. And then uh, Matt Roy, and at some point they have to figure out, uh, um, collectively and as an organization, what's going on with Jonathan Quick, who <clears throat> has not been his best the last couple of years. 
No, uh, that Cal Peterson's fun to watch. And Philly, I mean, the competition for roster spots in L.A., that's going to be blazing hot the next couple of years. You look at their you look at their list of non-roster forwards, kids in the minors and whatnot. I mean, Alex Turkov, Arthur Kaliev, you got Tyler Madden, who they acquired from Vancouver, Quentin Byfield, who they drafted, Leah Anderson. I'd almost rather I'd almost rather put those guys in uniform and put them on the ice. <laughs> Even if they do terribly in the first season. All that means is you're getting another top draft pick. Well, okay, here's the, here's the other thing for, for L.A., and I, we don't really mean to digress, but next year, 2021, or the, the end of this year, they get another nine picks. Nine. Cause One in the first round, two in the second, two in the third, two in the fourth, and then five and six. I mean, because that's all you need is to really strengthen that farm system that already has guys like Quentin Byfield in it, uh, who's clearly going to play. I can't imagine that he's not going to be playing with the Kings come regular season. Uh, no. Um, the only way they don't is if they, if they want to protect him for, uh, from a losing season and <clears throat> the occasional mentality that might slip in. Plus with only a 56 game season, I don't know that that's, the ideal situation to bring even a highly talented rookie into because by the time they get their feet under them playing, you know, that first 20 games, you're deep into the playoff hunt in a season this short. And, but if it's a team like the Kings, there's no time to hit a rookie wall or have even a minor injury. But that's the thing that rookie wall does happen around games, 55, 60. 55 to 65 is usually around where that rookie wall sets in. Look at what happened to Brandon Carlo, his full first full rookie season. That the his last 20% of that season, he didn't look right. He was taking penalties that he, now you look at him playing and he would never take those penalties. He was No, he and he tired. wasn't even taking was those. Behind. So I think that for LA because I don't think LA is making the playoffs. Probably no. But in this situation, 56 games is just enough time to get him in before he hits that rookie wall and and struggles the last part of an 82-game season. And then when he does come back for his second season in 21-22, he's good to go. I mean, I I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at it a little differently. I think 56 games might be a pretty good use of his talent without having to, yes, if he, if they do make the playoffs and he hits that rookie wall, he's going to struggle. I think he's going to struggle in the playoffs, Uh, but I'm not anticipating them making it in. So to play a 56 game season and call it a day before you start having that last bit of drop off because you passed the usual point that you're used to playing. I think it's actually a pretty good situation. I, 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 I mean, I understand your point. I just don't agree. I, I okay. would rather not. Uh, I would rather wait until you have a couple more roster spots, maybe trade out uh, one or two more players so that you can have three, four, five young players come up all together 
Um, okay. And you have, you know, you have your Anze Kopitar and maybe your Jeff Carter around um, to be mentors and you move out as many mm-hmm. other players over 30 yeah. as you can. Yeah, they're all going to be around. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, you're, you're top, your top three or close to your top three players are all north of 30. Kopitar's 33, Dustin Brown, 36, Jeff Carter's 35. And then, I mean, the age difference, because you go from 35, the next one closest is Martin Furk at 27. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's there's no middle ground there. It's either north of 30 or mid Mostly 23, 24. <laughs> Drew Doughty at 31 would be the only one that really falls into that middle category, and he's still north of 30. But And he's got a lot of games on his, on his body well, at yeah. this point. And he's got a lot of years left on his contract, too. <laughs> I mean, he's played 919 NHL games already. Uh, yeah. If this were a regular, regular season. season. Regular this, season games. Yeah, if this were a regular, regular season with 82, he'd be hitting 1,000 this year. Yep. Uh, 84 playoff games, um, admittedly not many of them the last three or four years, but that's that's a lot, a lot of high level hockey. Look at the way and, and look at the style of play. He's not a finesse guy. I mean, he is, don't get me wrong. He is, but physical definitely takes a, does not take a backseat to anything in his game. No, he's willing to play however is necessary to win the game. Yeah. So, yeah, I can, I can, I can see both sides of the argument. I, I still think that, but yeah, yeah, I can see both sides of the argument. I mean, it, it's nice to have the World Juniors back. To, I mean, that we're going to get to see a Quentin Byfield. That we're going to get to see a Jordan Spence. Uh, that you're going to get to see all those defensemen from the from from Minnesota Duluth. It's going to be an entertaining tournament. I don't know. I don't know that I'm ready to pick a winner yet. Is is Canada the clear winner? I don't know. I think um, I think there's certainly some. Uh, given how many great young players have come out of Finland in the last couple of years. I wouldn't sleep on them. No, LA Kings got a couple of them right there. Casper Simon Tabel and Kim Nusalainen. Uh, Finland's got some Finland's got some chops in this game. I it's gonna be a good tournament, I think. I, I think this is gonna be one of the more entertaining, more competitive tournaments. Uh, yes, I mean the literally the only good thing about the shutdown is that very nearly all of the world junior eligible players at the top end are available and likely and likely to play. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Not going to argue with that. (laughs) Uh, So what else do we have uh, to talk about tonight or today? Ooh, New stories, new stories, new stories. Uh, the only thing we haven't covered that's on the board is an article here about Braden Schneider. Braden Schneider, yes. Um, 
Rangers top pick Braden Schneider must sign within 12 days for his entry-level slide eligibility. Which uh, isn't a story we tend to hear very often. I kind of wonder what's going on. Uh, I don't know if this is management or perhaps even the agent, depending on who that might be, coaching through the me- or working through the media. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't recall the last time that I heard about a deadline to sign a an entry uh, an entry level contract. Um, as you know, kids, um, Braden was oh gosh, what was yeah. when was his dra- when was when was he drafted? This year, as far as I know. Uh, let's see. The short, short version of the Forever Blue Shirts uh, story uh, on on Mr. Schneider is if the Rangers want Braden Schneider in the AHL in the next year without it affecting his entry-level contract, they have to sign him in the next 12 days. This is, of course, dated on the 19th. Uh, by doing so, his entry-level contract slides with the 2020 through 2021 and 21. 22 seasons uh, with his contract only expiring uh, in 2025. Um, He notes that players in college cannot go back to the NCAA after they're signed, uh, which I think most of our listeners know, but uh, it is worth repeating because it is a major rules difference than uh, junior hockey, whether it's the USHL or the USHL or uh, Hockey Canada. Um, and yes, Braden Schneider was drafted 19th overall um, in the 2020 entry draft um, after four years with, or four seasons with the Brandon Wheat Kings. Um, right defenseman, uh, 6'2", 202 pounds, according to the nice folks at Hockey DB. Um Pretty reasonable, uh, pretty pretty nice growth. Um, seventeen eighteen season, first full year, uh, twenty two points in sixty six games. Eighteen nineteen, twenty four points in fifty eight games, and then a nice big jump in his draft year for uh, up to forty two points in sixty games. So basically it breaks down to if the player signs in the calendar year of his 18th or 19th birthday, the contract is slide eligible. Correct. And if you sign in the calendar year of your 20th birthday, they cannot slide. Even if the player doesn't play a single game, contract kicks in on the date specified in the contract. So the ideal thing is to get these kids signing their entry levels while they're still young, so you can slide them forward, and it actually adds on. So basically, in Braden Schneider's case, if he signs in the next uh, uh, before 10 the, days, before the end of the year, uh, he would his contract would basically expire not three years from now, but it would expire in 2025. So they get extra time to see what they have without burning any years off of his contract. Fun, fun. I, 
I mean, an entry level contract, I mean, you might negotiate a couple of bonuses, but entry level deals are pretty well are pretty heavily regulated by the or by the league uh, by the CBA. It's not like you're negotiating a UFA deal. It's all based on it's all based on how old they are too. Because if you're 18, 19, you can sign a three year entry level. If you're 20, you can only sign a two year entry level. Uh, it explains that in this. I mean, who wrote this? Because this is kind of well done. Stephen Vogel of uh, Blue Shirts Forever, Forever, Blue, I believe. Forever, Blue, Forever Shirts. Blue Shirts. That is a pretty good job of explaining this without getting into so much minutia that he loses you. Correct. Um, again, that, uh, that is forever blue shirts.com. Uh, one of the Rangers blogs, Stephen Vogel. Uh, ah, here and, it is. Quick breakdown. Sorry. Stephen Vogel, you were saying. Yep. Um, and you can find him on Twitter. Uh, what? I think that's all of the major stuff we have. Um, then there was, uh, as you mentioned, just before we hit record, the homework. <laughs> well, it is that time of year, so uh, go right ahead, the homework. Uh, correct. Uh, so last week, uh, as we were getting ready to close the show, Chris and I uh, started talking about different holiday movies and which ones we'd seen. Given that we're not do- going out, most of us are not having uh, parties this year or doing the normal level of travel and socialization. Uh, I mean, I'm hardly the most social person on the planet, and I believe the average holiday season I end up at six to eight different locations um, for events. And that's with assiduously skipping two or three that I probably should go to anyways. Um, okay. But we all like to skip some because we just don't want to be there. Just don't want to be there. Don't have the time. Don't have the energy. Um, or certain people there are not worth spending your holiday time with. Um, so we had free time and we decided to catch a, a couple of holiday movies. Um, we each decided to watch three and only one overlap. Uh, one of the greatest Christmas movies ever. Um, why don't you start with, uh, one of the ones that's not on my list? I'm, I'm trying to visualize your list in my mind. Uh, I went with the first one that I watched and it's number one on a lot of people's lists. No, not that one. Uh, Christmas vacation. Oh, that one. Yeah, I, I, you can get, you can start with that one. I, th- I thought so, because I'm pretty sure that that wasn't on your list. It's Yes, it's slapstick funny. It's Chevy Chase. It's Beverly D'Angelo. Uh, the always rotating children, because depending on which movie you watch, you've got uh, unrecognizable faces from the one before it. But it's just that it, it's a, it ends up being a feel-good movie. It gets me in the mood. Uh, he brings in the tree in. You know, Uncle Eddie comes to visit. Cousin Eddie comes to visit. It's it makes me laugh. It makes me smile, even when on days when I'm really not in that kind of mood. So I started with that one at the beginning of the week because kind of needed it. And 
Uh, I love the tirade toward the end uh, where he starts talking about his his boss and how he feels. And that's the funniest 20 seconds, 30 seconds of film footage uh, that I had seen in a long time. And when he ends it with, holy blank, where's the Tylenol? I can relate with the migraines that I have. I don't use Tylenol anymore because it doesn't really do what I need it to do. But there was a time back in the day when I used to scream that very phrase myself. So it's an enjoyable movie and it makes me laugh, puts a smile on my face. Yay. Um, for me, I decided to watch a couple of movies that I had never seen. Um, Partly because, well, most of my favorites I've seen at least ten times. Um, uh, Scrooged, which I didn't watch this time, but may still see before the end of the year. Uh, I've probably seen that at least 15 times. And of the movies that I can count as Christmas movies that's fair, that I actually enjoy, that's still fairly low. Uh, so, number one, I went with... The uh, first one I watched was the uh, Dennis the Menace Christmas uh, from 2007. Um, I wasn't aware. Wow. I wasn't aware they made an actual Dennis the Menace Christmas. I mean, I had seen the Dennis the Menace movie with uh, Walter Matthau, and I couldn't even tell you who the young boy is that played Dennis. Uh, yep. But. This was... This was the uh, 2007 version with um, with uh, Robert Wagner as the uh, grouchy grouchy neighbor. Robert, um, Rob- Wagner. Robert Wagner is wow, okay, marvelously hammy um, in the role as Mr. Wilson and Louise Fletcher as Mrs. Wilson. I am writing uh, this one down. <laughs> uh, Maxwell Perry Cotton plays Dennis. Um, and I would be hard pressed to say that I actually remember seeing him in any other movie, um, despite the fact that he's in Elysium, the Gettysburg Address. Um, he played, he was actually in, for those of you who are fans of Brothers and Sisters, he played, he was Cooper Whedon for 82 episodes, so you, you probably have seen him. Um, I'm not. I actually don't watch that much TV or movies. That's not hockey. Um, <laughs> what a surprise there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Totally shocking. Um, the movie was cute. Um, it has one of those Santa isn't real moments, um, which some people may or may not be okay with for their kids. Um, it's, for any of you who remember the old Dennis the Menace uh, cartoons, or even if you've watched uh, on st- some streaming service the really, really old uh, Dennis the Menace live action shows, you'll get the same feel uh, for like the first 35, 40 minutes of the show with Dennis doing well intentioned things that somehow create chaos that's usually not his fault or is his fault through pure innocence or sublime ignorance um sublime ignorance wow there we go which is sort of cute in a six-year-old and terrifying in anyone over the age of 10 um i agree well-intentioned parents who love him dearly and of course the classic over-the-top bullies uh the last 20 minutes they try and cram a 
Christmas Carol like montage uh, dream sequence in which, again, it performs well. I, I mean, what Robert Wagner and the gentleman playing uh, the angel in place of ghosts um, and also mall Santa um, Godfrey uh, great in the role. It just doesn't necessarily hang together all that well. Um, didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Uh, if it was on again and other people wanted to watch it, I'd, I'd sit down and watch, but probably will never turn it on again myself. Which, which other one did you do? Uh, my, first of all, I have to give you credit because you went outside of the box. I went with my traditional top three. Uh, I, I have others that I watch as well, but I also I Scrooge is just Bill Murray is a gem in that movie. <laughs> it's one of his two or three best movies. And and Bobcat Goldthwait, uh, I can't think of anything else he's done that's better than this. Uh, you've got Carol Kane from Taxi. You've got uh, actually, it's one of I believe only two movies, maybe three, that all the Murray brothers are in it. Brian uh, Brian Doyle Murray, uh, obviously Bill Murray, and the the other brother John Murray who. The other movie that he was in, it was um, the Groundhog Day. Uh, I literally had no idea that those guys were related. Yes, and there's only two. There's only two. I, I want to say it's two. There's possibly a third that all three brothers are in, and it's just it. It's not slapstick, and yes, there's a message to it. And it's clearly, you know, it's based on Dickens' Christmas Carol, obviously. But wow, does Bill Murray play a fabulous mm, pseudo villain for most of the movie? Oh no, no, he he's absolutely a villain. Uh, he is a first class d bag. I think that's probably the worst word that we oh it, it yes, we can especially. Use. Especially when he start when he's going through the list with uh, with his secretary of who he's going to give gifts to and uh, send them send them the VCR send them a B, send them a towel send them a, send them a bath towel the VCR your brother send him a towel send him a towel. yeah <laughs> and it's legitimately it, it's one of my two it's one of my it's one of my favorite Christmas movies because I think it's one of the best. I think it's both most faithful, most faithful, and most unique interpretations of a Christmas Carol. Oh yeah, unique, um, definitely. <laughs> it, it's it's absolutely ludicrously silly in a lot of places, but it manages to make it work. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if you've never seen it, go watch it. <laughs> yes, uh, I will never do. encourage people not to. You need yes. If you have not seen this movie, my first question is why. <laughs> uh, now, fair warning, as it is a Bill Murray movie, um, it's probably not for tykes with sensitive ears uh, and limited vocabularies that you want to keep limited. <laughs> I don't know. There's not a lot of 
cursing? Uh, there's got to be some. I mean, it, it's Bill Murray. There is certainly a lot of drinking. <laughs> yes, there is a lot of uh, um, yeah. The, alcohol is certainly um, prevalent, imbibed. Yes. Um, uh, and so my second was um, my second one was actually the one I watched third, but uh, we're gonna go and do the overlap last. Um, a Muppet Christmas Carol. I'd never seen it. And uh, a couple of my friends who majored in English uh, said that it is got the most words directly out of the novel in it. Really? And in watching it and having seen at least uh, at least six or seven other versions of A Christmas Carol, uh, including, I think, three stage performances because a couple of my family members love the stage. Um, I've got to say that this is probably the best version for someone new to the story. It's been a long time since I've seen a Muppet Christmas Carol. It's a lot of fun too. Like it's legitimately a lot of fun. It manages not to be so dark and scary as most of the adult live-action versions. Um, well, we are talking about Muppets here. They don't want to scare the children away. So I can no. I can see them making it a little bit lighter on the palate. But you still – but you don't get – you don't get cloying, saccharine version. It's still scary. There's, there's legitimately dark moments, which are yes. lightened fairly quickly. And uh, I would – I think if there's a two-word phrase that can uh, best summarize most Muppet movies and this treatment of, um, or maybe three words, uh, especially this treatment of A Christmas Carol, it's probably sincere and faithful irreverence. Um, <laughs> Sounds like most Muppet movies. <laughs> yes, but... Like beat for beat, I mean, I've read A Christmas Carol not recently. I've seen most of the version. I've seen half a dozen versions. Um, it hits the notes. Um, and one of the best things, especially if you're watching it with young kids, is that it's a fairly short movie. Most of the versions of A Christmas Carol, uh, whichever ones they are, they run somewhere north of 95 minutes, maybe over two full hours. The Muppet Christmas Carol is only 86 minutes long. So, you know, you have the kids you want to watch at 4.35 o'clock at night right after supper and then put the kids to bed immediately. You don't have to worry about them being way overtired because they stayed up an hour, an hour and a half late. It's also, um, small, it's also shorter attention span, so yeah. shortening the movie works. But they didn't – but they still managed to get a Everything. lot of the key points in. Oh, there you go. I, 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 like I said, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I do remember enjoying it. I, 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 I must confess, I've enjoyed many Muppet movies. One of my favorites is Muppets from Space, uh, just because of the irreverence. And, and yes, there are actually one or two jokes in the movie that, even though Muppets are for kids, it, the jokes are clearly uh, they exist for the they exist for the adults. Yes, they know whoever's writing them knows that there are not not only children watching, that there are adults watching. And they, they seem to slip in one or two that 
past the young years and the adults will pick it up. <laughs> and I'm not talking, you know, overly sexual or overly anything, just something that the the kids are going to laugh at it because mom and dad are laughing at it, but mom and dad are the only ones actually getting it. Oh, absolutely. And of course, the Christmas movie that tops my list <laughs> and mine. certainly in my top three at the absolute worst. And the only overlap on the list. Uh, yes. John McClane, where are you now? He is at this very moment making fist with his toes on some carpet. Fist with your toes. I'll be damned. <laughs> Die and, Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> and it's a great Christmas movie. Uh, for it. For, the the basic standard for a Christmas movie is should take place at Christmas time. Christmas yep. should be integral to integral to the plot and the occurrences uh, and the reasons for things to happen. Um, and it needs to be more than window dressing. John McClane gets the invite by mistake to his wife's uh, Christmas party, arrives at said Christmas party. Uh, Christmas music is playing. Um, at one point, he ends up with the Santa hat. Um, there's there's a whole bunch of Christmas references. Well, the the main Christmas reference being when he kills Marco and uh, not Marco when he kills the the blonde one, the blonde brother, and sends him down the elevator with his sweatshirt painted. You know, now I have a machine gun. Ho ho ho. ho, ho. <laughs> um. And this movie is super what, fun. 30 years old at this point. Yeah, about that. 25, 27, 30, somewhere in that five year range. Yeah. And it still stands up as one of the best action movies, in addition to being a Christmas movie of all time. Absolutely. Um, and, and, quote, and quotable. I mean, there are still people walking around who run. You know, at work, I, I love to do movie quotes and everything else, and, and I'll say, you know, five bonus points if you can tell me what movie it's from or whatever. It, it, and I tend to quote Die Hard an awful lot. <laughs> and, you know, you you pretty much, if you've lived in the U.S. for three years of your life and you don't know what Nakatomi Plaza is or who Hans Gruber is, you've deliberately been avoiding it. The I'm movie avoiding. is shown year-round. Uh, which, oh, yeah. which puts it ahead of most Christmas movies. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's really just a lot of fun. If you can't sit down and enjoy this movie, even if you think that some of the violence is over the top, uh, I think it's graphic without being over the top. But I, I can understand that some people have a lower threshold for violence than I do. Um Okay. It's it's a fun movie. It's fun. Like I said, fun, quotable, uh, it, and it, it, it's a good way to. I mean, the, the popcorn movies and the, yeah, the the big flashbangs and they've got all of it. I, it it's just enjoyable. It's got its funny moments. It's certainly got its comedic moments. Uh, Reginald Bell Johnson does a fabulous job in this movie. And yes, yes, that is the gentleman who goes on to star in 
uh, Family Matters for <laughs> yeah, try and picture time. that. Die Hard to Family Matters. <laughs> and isn't he a cop in Family Matters too? Is he cop or security? It's a, he, it's a it's a law. I believe he is a law a, a law enforcement uh, position in that. I, I just can't remember whether it's security or I think he is a cop though. Yeah, but it's definitely a law enforcement position. Uh, and and to take that movie and yes they've turned it into a franchise but to have the first one based on a to be a Christmas movie but to turn around and have Die Hard two come out and also be a Christmas movie yay yes. double the fun <laughs> because they are in Washington uh, uh, Washington uh, I, I I don't know if it's BWI or if it was called Reagan by that time or just Dulles or whatever. Um, but they're clearly it's Christmas time. You got it's it, it. They mention that it's crazy, silly season. You've got terrorists carrying gift wrapping gift wrap packages. It, yes, it's Christmas time, and that and the whole setting, the whole idea is that because it's Christmas time, the airport is crazy busy. So it clearly plays a part in the movie. In the first one, it's Christmas time. It, again. They're having the party, the, the whole point of getting in there was so that they'd have a massive amount of, of hostages or whatever. It, it, it would attract attention of the, the law enforcement community. It clearly plays a part in the movie. It's not window dressing, as you put it. Correct. I did have a bonus movie. And the reason, why, the reason why I call it a bonus movie is because it's not Christmas. It's a very rare thing. Thanksgiving movie, but they don't actually mention Thanksgiving in the movie. It's planes, trains, and automobiles. And if you haven't seen this, Steve Martin and John Candy are comedy gold in this movie. Yes, there's a, it can be over the top, hilarious. But again, these two guys have been doing it their whole careers, and unfortunately, John Candy's no longer with us. But hilarity ensues when these two get together on screen. And um, another one worth watching if you can find it. Um, and I have not actually managed to find it. Uh, is Dutch. I haven't seen Dutch in a long time. Uh, Ed O'Neill from family from um, married with children. And more recently from modern family. Yes. A, a thoroughly enjoyable movie, but you're correct. I have not seen it in forever. 1991, it came out. Um, a, a uh, Dutch is Ed O'Neill's character. He goes off to pick up his uh, girlfriend's son at at boarding school, and um, adventure ensues. Um, Ed O'Neill is very is much playing a grouchy Ed O'Neill role, and I don't know why the film didn't do better. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the idea was that she wanted them to get to know each other. Oh, yes. He didn't, he didn't they didn't know each other. Yep. And that's what makes the the uh, adventuring so much more fun because they're they're doing it without real knowledge of what the other one is like. So they're learning about each other as well as, 
having all this uh, road fun, <laughs> road trip fun that they had. I don't know why it didn't do better either. I thought it was thoroughly enjoyable. And and I will say, the one thing that I couldn't find in any of these movies, I only found it in two, is the lack of any sort of sports mention in any... I mean, I, Christmas movies, yes, it's about Christmas, I get it. But only in Die Hard do we have a mention of football. And that's at the when the 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 bank robber, the robbers, the the thieves, when they break in, the guy who replaces the security guard at the front desk says uh, he's watching the Notre Dame football game, and he says, "Come on, I got fifty bucks bet on them, a hole." Yep. Um, the only other Christmas movie that I've ever had that I can remember a sports reference in is actually in the movie A Christmas Story. When the dad is sitting at the kitchen table reading his newspaper and he starts talking about uh, an off-season trade that the Chicago team makes. And he doesn't mention whether it's the Cubs or the White Sox. He just says Chicago traded their best player. And that's the only other sports reference. There's very little sports references in these Christmas movies. Huh. I hadn't really noticed that, but now that you mention it, yeah. Uh, I can't think of one. Um, although I, I want to say in lethal weapon, which some people consider a Christmas movie and I'm on the fence about, um, that, yeah, you do hear a couple of sports mentions in lethal weapon. Well, yeah. In lethal weapon, Danny Glover is watching, he's going to put a videotape in the machine and a Nike commercial with Bo Jackson comes on and you're like, Hey Bo, another day, another hobby. (laughs) Lethal Weapon's kind of difficult to really push as a Christmas movie only because it's not the it, it, as you said the window dressing it's not really a yeah it, I will have to watch it, it again soon I'll have to watch it to really be sure but to me it didn't really dominate as like a theme in the movie it was there yes it was Christmas time but I don't think it, I, I didn't really pick up on it as being a Christmas movie. And that concludes our media presentation for the uh, day. Back Boy. to hockey for a brief moment uh, before Ooh. we wrap the show. Um, our good friends at Cap Friendly have tweeted out uh, the taxi squad rules for uh, the coming NHL season. Um, minimum of four players to a maximum of six. Waivers are required for players who would require waivers to be loaned to the minors. Recalls for NHL games must occur before 5 p.m. Eastern time. Excludes goalies if less than two goalies are available to play for the team. One goalie required on the taxi squad for teams with less than three goalies on the active roster. And one goalie must be available for all home and away games in this situation. Last day of training camp is the first day players can be loaned to the taxi squad. Um, taxi squad dissolves when the season ends. Taxi squad members can practice with the NHL team, join team, team activities, travel with the team, but is not required. Um, taxi team members cannot practice or join activities other than those with the NHL team. Uh, AHL team activities, for example, are not permitted. If a taxi team, if a taxi squad player is deemed unfit to play, injury, illness, uh, COVID isolation or whatever, uh, the team can request that they do not count towards the six player limit. Uh, 
uh, cap hit. Uh, effect on the team's cap hit while on the taxi squad is equivalent to if the player were playing in the minors, so a buried cap hit. Um, players injured while on the taxi squad are assumed to have been injured while in the minors. Uh, compensation, uh, one-way standard contract NHL or one-way contract NHL or standard NHL salary rate, um, two-way contract minors salary. Um, this was tweeted out by Cap Friendly. Uh, what that means for the local squad is that um, uh, yeah, I completely forgotten what I was going to say. I'm I'm guessing that it, it this is the squad that kind of travels with the team so that they have extra players to draw yeah, from injury because they're not they're not going to be recalling players from the AHL as they would in a normal regular season. If somebody were to get hurt or you need to swap somebody out to give a game a day game injury illness family matters correct. Uh, I mean there are some interesting comments. Uh, uh, this one here that says, could a guy like Tyler Johnson be sent back and forth from taxi squad on non-game days to save roughly half of the cap space throughout the season since nobody is picking him up off waivers anyways? And somebody said they wouldn't save half of his contract, only half of what can be buried. Which is still, which would still be a decent amount. Um, and those of us who remember Bobby Ryan's uh, rookie season, that's pretty much exactly what happened. They kept oh, only they sent him not to the AHL, but to the ECHL uh, because that team was closest uh, to, I want to say it was the ducks. He started with, yeah, it was the ducks. And um, they did that. I suspect the NHL genuinely frowns upon it, but yeah. it's not, it's probably not illegal under the rules. So does this mean uh, one goalie required on taxi squad for teams with less than three goalies on the active row? So this means they're forcing teams to carry three goaltenders, basically. I mean, it, it makes sense anyway, because it, if one does get injured, you got to pull a second. So I can see them saying you have to carry three goaltenders. But as another comment says, there will be a massive rush at free agent goalies in the next week or so. So Probably guys yes. like... Guys like Corey Schneider that are sitting there waiting. Corey uh, Schneider will probably end up on someone's practice squad, and good for him. Um, if he signs like a million-dollar contract for one year or two years and gets to play or practice daily with NHL players and have the benefit of less pressure and a good goalie coach, he might just work himself back into – a position where he's a strong backup or even a starter. Um, and or the, I, we said it before that it, his his time toward the end in New Jersey certainly. Okay, what's with the foghorn? Wow. Okay. <laughs> ah, it's Christmas time. There goes Santa. <laughs> ho ho ho. Ho ho ho. And. Uh, I just I I think that Corey Schneider is one of those that would benefit from a new and we've talked about it from a new location, so this might be his opportunity to get there. Yes, uh, I suspect this means, and other people are saying that uh, it means Daniel Vladar will be on the taxi squad. Um, of I don't course, know. That, 
is it a guarantee that I, I think Vladar should be, but is it a guarantee? I mean, are they still going to try and figure out whether, I mean, well, Swain at this point, goalie? at this point, it's, it, it's got to be a default. I mean, he's got more pro experience than the other three put together. Uh, I mean, you've got Callum Booth, um, Kyle Kaiser, and Jeremy Swayman as the other three young guys in the system. I think they'd rather have, and that's the other thing is if they're on this, if they're on this taxi squad, they can't be in the AHL. I think they would rather have Swayman getting ice time with Providence. Both Swayman and um, Kaiser. Uh, that's um, why. That's why. Yeah, I think that if you think it through, it comes down to yeah, it's probably going to be Vladar on the taxi squad. He has all of the professional experience. <laughs> well, that's not quite fair because, uh, I mean, Swayman has none. He's played in the, he's played NCAA hockey, and that's it. Um, Kyle Kaiser has played in the ECHL three games and the Providence Bruins. He's played seven games and then, um, who is Callum Booth? Booth. Uh, Callum Booth. He is a Montreal, Quebec born, uh, 23 year old goaltender for the Boston Bruins. Ah, for, uh, drafted in the fourth round in 2015 by the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, 6'3", 199, um, a little bit beefier than the other guys. Um, and he's only played in the AHL for about 15, 18 ga- uh, 15 games, and then probably 60 or 65 games total uh, across the regular season and uh, postseason uh, in the ECHL. And not necessarily spectacular numbers. Did we get to see him when we saw the Atlanta Gladiators play the Worcester Railers? I don't believe so, but it's possible. I'm trying to that doesn't sound like the right name to me. I was trying to remember who was in net for that game. Yeah, I. Interesting rules. I'm glad they. I'm glad that Cap Runley sent them out. Thank you very much to Cap Runley. so that I can understand exactly what's going on here. <laughs> they make me sound smarter. Actually, I do that, but hey. I'm not even going to. That one's way too easy. I'm not going there. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> um, Happy New Year's. Happy hockey. Uh, well, we'll, next be, time we'll, be, we'll be back before New Year. We will be back before New Year's, but by the next time we see anyone, uh, or we talk to anyone here, yes, uh, there will be actual, real, strong hockey being played. Um, Cap Friendly did also tweet out the divisions. They're essentially what we already talked about uh, weeks ago. Um, but I will retweet those uh, at, uh, on, at Puck Sage, as well as the Taxi Squad rules. Um, everyone, happy, safe holidays. Um, hopefully the world will be back to something more recognizable and where you're allowed to go out and give your friends and family a hug really, really soon. Um, if you have a favorite holiday movie, 
uh, tweet or email one of us uh, or both of us. We'd love to talk about it. Um, I will make sure that I actually open up Twitter a couple of times this week um, and respond. Uh, you have – I should be watching the – World Juniors, so I will probably be tweeting about some of those games. Um, absolutely jump on, say hi to me, uh, or tell me off for having the wrong opinion. It's okay. I'll, I, I will tweet whenever I'm actually watching. Uh, I know I don't do that very much, but I'm trying to get better at it. So when I am watching the World Juniors, I will do my best to tweet out. So look for me as well. Woo-ha. Take care.